One Week Season. Welcome to the Assessing Your Process pod. BFRITS12, I'm your host here over at One Week Season. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, everybody who is live currently in the Discord stage just got a good laugh because I started the podcast without recording it. So uh, thanks all for, for hanging with me. Um, and if you're listening to this recorded, uh, you're, you're hearing it straight up, but thanks for thanks for coming and hanging out. I am excited to get into today's pod. I have some good news. I'm excited to get to things today um, because I'm coming to you from a much happier place. I, I really do love doing this regardless of my outcomes. I've joked about it being uncomfortable uh and and you know made comments like oh like i feel nauseous saying this because it's uh so embarrassing or whatever but at the end of the day i I really love having this platform this ability to be really open with you guys because this is how we grow together and so while i am excited to to share some uh good stuff today (laughs) a winning roster it's I do really appreciate every week uh, getting to spend this time Uh, before we jump into things. I just wanted to say that give a shout out to everybody in the OWS fam who has been in the reflection thread recently. I've really noticed the chat pinging up a bit there and some really in-depth reflections. It's I, I made a comment in there this week, but it's really awesome to see y'all doing that because this is you know whether whether you're you're, you've been there doing that in this space or you're hanging out here with me live or recorded taking time to do this for yourself on a week-to-week basis even if it's just a little bit it makes all the difference in the world uh you know i always say that for people that are serious about being good at dfs being a, a better dfs player you have to do some type of assessment. It doesn't have to necessarily be as in-depth as the document that I've created for myself and the process that I do for myself, but I do believe that some element is necessary to really to be able to learn, to be able to learn and to grow. And so, yeah, just shout out to those of you at OWS who are really engaging in the assessment channel, uh, really loving that, really loving seeing that. But all right, yeah, let's jump into things today. I, like I said, I am excited because I actually had a winning week. It's uh, <laughs> we're in like the the last third of the season here, and I finally finally hit. Uh, so it feels really good. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit as we go here. But it was not a big money hit, but. It didn't matter. It just feels good to hit. It feels good to just like know that it's it's in there. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, a lot of you who are serious about DFS and who really are revisiting your process and assessing week to week and trying to get better, who are really engaging with the content instead of just uh, kind of skimming it for for plays and you know, easy, easy picks and and trying to to make money or even just for entertainment, which is totally cool. But I know there's a different set of, you know, subset of DFS players who are really serious about this. Uh, and yeah, it just feels good to. You know, it's like I, I've because I've talked about this throughout the season now. I I know I'm a good DFS player. And fortunately, I have a long enough sample size over basically like six years now where I know that to be true. But a lot of what I've shared to this point this year has been really meaningful because for those that are, I mean, at at any point in the process, like it's, you know, been a mindfuck for me uh, for for a good part of the season. It's kind of like the past handful of weeks and I took a little break and I'm going to talk about that too, about how that's been really, really beneficial. 
Um, but just wanted to note that, like, it's it's such an emotional game. It's such a mental game, and and so just an upswing can really help. Um, so continuing to to move forward, continuing to you know keep hitting it from week to week, taking breaks when you need it, kind of like I did, but just keeping at it and and not trying to burn it all down or change things too drastically from week to week is really, really important. Um, but yeah, so with that, like I said at the beginning here, this wasn't a big money hit. Uh, it was, this was a, I mean, I had a winning week overall, which is great, but I haven't been playing a ton of money recently. If you guys listened, you know, have been listening a couple weeks ago, I just mentioned that you know, pretty, pretty major uh, bankroll mismanagement this season. Never thought that I was going to lose, you know, eight out of nine weeks basically to to start the year, like half a season. Had just never seen anything like that in the, you know, my DFS career, so to speak. So I didn't think it could happen, which is, you know, kind of ridiculous because things can always happen. Um, but yeah, so I've been playing less money, but it it's still like i said it still felt good so this hit specifically that i'm going to be um reviewing today was a three dollar hundo and i know for those of you who are pretty engaged in you know just bankroll building in general uh but specifically in the single entry three max thread here you know always trying to find what contests we're we're going to be playing in because um you guys know how important contest selection is. It's, I mean, it's really crucial. Uh, it, it's something that I learned probably a year or two ago. I, I got much better at it last year, I should say. Uh, just realizing that I was still chasing big payouts. I was still in, in tourneys that were, you know, at the very top of the uh, tourney, like contest selection and DraftKings, because that's, you know, what they want to, you know, they're, they're featured tourneys. Uh, and that's not to say you can't play these if you're a bankroll building player, but you should be focused on contests that are more plus EV, uh, have flatter payout structures that are smaller pools where you do have a legit shot at first. So the hundos are a a great way to uh, like have access to that. Like that's a it's a great contest for those of you who are bankroll building, which is what I'm doing as well. Uh, you know, single entry, small fields. That's that's where I'm playing, and I know that's where a lot of you are playing as well. It just like this, and like we'll go over today, it allows you to get first place. Uh, it was a down week, but I, you know, the roster I, I had didn't score super high. So, getting into to contests like the Hundos is really really important uh another takeaway i had from this week this is kind of along the topic of bankroll building i just as a a couple weeks ago started entering some of the multipliers so like triple ups and quintuple ups and just throwing little little bits in here and there and i'm not allocating a large percentage of my bankroll to those things but just throwing in those lineups because the way that i build single entry lineups for small fields, I have a pretty high floor as well as a ceiling. And so theoretically, those lineups should do pretty well in triple ups and even potentially quintuple ups. Um, so yeah, like I said, I don't have a a, a, you know, uh, a percentage breakdown of like what I put in to those, but it's a it's a relatively small amount. But I wanted to hit on that because I know so many of you that are building for smaller fields that are building for single entry tourneys and your bankroll building. Those are really good uh, contests to enter in, not only because of the, you know, the, the potential that it has to, to, to build your bankroll to make these little incremental boosts, but also because what I've found is that the, the more that the, like, the more diverse contests you're building for, the more you learn how to, it gives you different perspectives for one in terms of how you want to build your roster, but it also makes you think in different ways in terms of floor, ceiling, 
correlations, combinations of players, you know, blocks of players. So I do suggest playing around with that a little bit as well. So bankroll building, entering the hundos, uh, multi, excuse me, multipliers. And then just because we're on the topic and I'll kind of bounce back to uh, my week in the lineup after that. But uh, short slates and showdowns are another good way to to just get yourself out there to other other contests, uh, to things that are like diversifying your play in general. You know, if you like you're me and you're a single entry player and I usually play a few variations of one lineup on a weekend, but. Uh, you're, you know, and I know this has been talked about all over OWS at this point because of what a crazy year this has been and people getting frustrated because of results, you know, similar to myself, just having a really rough start to the year. It can be really demoralizing to not see anything hit and you do start questioning yourself and all those things. Um, so just giving yourself a larger sample size, entering different slates, uh, and, and you can do this in a way that you're not using a lot of bankroll. You can just be entering, you know, a couple bucks or, you know, whatever, you know, percent small percentage of your bankroll to get exposure to these other slates just to continue having chances at, you know, you're just you're just expanding your sample size. So recommend that for bankroll building as well because it can be really hard over the course of a you know a less than 20 week football season NFL season to to build bankroll and or have that you know mental emotional roller coaster with that and be asking yourself if you're actually a good DFS player or not so that I, I know I jumped into that kind of quickly there but i wanted to make that mention about bankroll building because i know so many of you are in that place and really want to be doing that approaching that in a really sharp way so those are just some things that i noted this week that worked well for me you know specifically this week uh, but something that i'm going to continue to do as well Another thing I wanted to hit on before I jump into the actual lineup review itself is how I got here. So I had this hit this week. Again, if you guys, I, I kind of briefly hit it here, but if you've been following along, you'll know that I had have had a tough season to this point. I started the season with eight out of nine losing weeks. I wasn't playing cash. I was trying, uh, you know, I after last year, I was like, I'm going to drop cash next year. I'm just going to play tourneys and see how that goes. And it just so happened that for me, uh, because, you know, my my style of play and my lineups and stuff didn't line up this year, I just got brutalized and wasn't making up my bankroll on a weekly basis. So. I took a couple weeks ago, I was like, I'm taking taking a week off, I'm going to take a little breather here. Just going to play for fun, uh, not going to put in a, a large chunk of money, uh, you know, relative to what I normally play. And that felt really good. So that was two weeks ago. I talked about it a little bit on last week's pod. Felt really good to just give myself that space. I didn't hold myself to anything in terms of process. And then I didn't even uh, plan this out, but because it just happened to be the week before Thanksgiving, with last week, I've always enjoyed the Thanksgiving slate. Just you know, it's it's fun, right? It's it's just fun to uh, to build lineups that day and before that day, and just be watching the games and stuff, and continue that entertainment value of DFS. Since took that into the weekend, resonated with some of the stuff that I've shared this year because those things. You you know what I'm talking about if if you've been there. So highly recommend. At any point when you're really starting to feel like you're you're backed into a corner, really not happy with your play or the the results that are coming, take a little breather. It's it's not going to kill you to take a week off, or <clears throat> like in my case, to not fully take the week off, but to even just play a couple lineups for fun. You know, still have some skin in the game. There's still an entertainment value there, but there's the pressures off. The pressures off of uh, you know making back your your. Uh, money that weekend or having a winning week 
And I, again, I'm hitting on this again for like the third week in a row because I, I really wanted to hammer in how important that's been in getting me to having this this weekend that I did and creating this lineup. Because through over the course of the past two weeks, I have changed some things to my process. So this is what was really cool about giving myself that space and not really subscribing to my normal process is that I was essentially just like, I'm going to do what feels good. I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'll still be, you know, just go with my curiosity and my, uh, you know, just my love of football kind of to to lead the way and not worry about what my normal process looks like. And what's cool about that is that I've actually changed my early to midweek process a decent amount. And, you know, this is a process that I've had in place for a solid like three or four years at this point. I've made small tweaks along the way, but hadn't made really massive changes or. uh, And so these things wouldn't have happened at least not in this way, had I not taken this break and given myself some space and just kind of leaned into a more relaxed approach. So just to share quickly what that looked like in case it's helpful, but also just to give some context, I was finding that my first look at games, I was going pretty in depth prior to my break. I was, you know, I was writing a paragraph about the games. I was kind of diving into all pieces of it, all not all angles necessarily, but I, you know, it was a pretty thorough breakdown with this break and just kind of playing in a way that feels good. I essentially ended up doing a still kind of like a first look, but it was just like a run through of games from a very high level. And so I still made notes. I wasn't forcing any part of this process. I I just want to really kind of emphasize that I gave myself complete freedom and leeway to do just whatever felt good, whatever felt fun and interesting to me. So I still ended up doing a high level first look at games, but my notes were far less in depth why this is meaningful is because I found that this immediately kept me with a smaller player pool. And so for me, as a single entry player, somebody who's playing smaller fields, I I don't need some massive player pool because while sure there's the potential that, you know, I could leave out some pick that might have gotten onto a roster somewhere that could have been, you know, a sneaky play. More often than not, it's only going to be adding more data than I actually need and is going to have me with a bigger player pool come Friday or Saturday when I start building lineups and I'll have to. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I'll have to. Invest more energy in narrowing my field or excuse me my pool of players rather than just having a small pool to start with and not because i haven't done a thorough job but simply because that's who the good plays are (laughs) Uh, and so it was yeah really interesting to see this i use that same way of doing things this past weekend as well which led to my winning lineup and sure, like there's always the chance that, you know, there there's variance in this and that my my new process and my winning lineup were not actually correlated. It just happened to be by chance, but I don't believe that's the case. The process feels really good to me. It feels fl- more flowy. Uh, it feels lighter. It doesn't feel like I'm taking on so much. And I know that's kind of a nebulous term, but when I'm saying lighter, try to check in with yourself on, you know, Friday, Saturday. If you are feeling overwhelmed by the amount of plays that you have, if you are experiencing a ton of FOMO and you just don't know who to play or how to narrow things down, to me, that is that feels like heavy and just kind of like, oh, like 
what what do we what do I do here? There's a lot going on. I've got a ton of data. Whereas for me in this process, like I said, it felt very lightweight. It was just like, okay, these are the the game environments I like. Essentially narrowing it down to like top two or three. Not even necessarily because I want two or three. I think that is helpful, but uh, because I think more weekends than not, that's going to be the case where it's just going to be a couple clear game environments and not half a dozen smash spots or, or really good setups. Um, so just noting that down, noting who the good plays are and rolling from there. And so, like I said, that changed my er- my very first early week process. And then that changed the way that I moved into creating my player pool because my player pool creation used to be more in depth in terms of I would list out all of those plays. I would list out all of their salaries. I would kind of like rank them. Whereas now I'm doing a little bit, again, now being the past two weeks, uh, doing it just a little bit more by feel, doing like a very simple tier system, like only having like two or three tiers, which is kind of ironic because this is now how, or this is how JM structures the player grid. So it's kind of funny that I'm kind of coming to this uh, in my own way now, but just in a way that makes sense to me. It's not super well laid out. It's not really cut and dry and clean. There's not these beautiful data points or Excel spreadsheets set up to highlight the best plays, but it makes sense to me. It's very clear what the best plays are. I, you know, I'm all I'm doing is noting the best plays from my eyes and then the correlations that I like. And again, this is all coming very naturally from simply taking this first look and at a very high level assessing the game environments. And from there, again, because I'm a single entry player, this would look different if you were mass multi-entry, but from there, I have a pretty solid foundation for what my lineups are going to consist of, which is really cool. And I think for many of us, myself included, I've gotten much better at this over the past two years, but we we want more data, not only because we want to make better decisions, but also because it's just fun. <laughs> DFS is fun. Football is fun. Sifting through data and seeing where the data is pointing for a lot of us is fun. And so I think just being okay with taking some process out can really actually be something that makes your process sharper. So more is not always better. Better is better. I know it's a dumb cliche, but I'm going to use it here because it is absolutely true. So yeah, I share that not necessarily because it is going to be applicable to you, but because I wanted to illustrate how taking some space and just leaning into a more relaxed style of play for a week or two has allowed me to shift my process in a meaningful way. And maybe it does speak to you in terms of the specifics of it. So consider that, consider where your process is heavier or you're investing more energy into it or you're doing more than you actually need to. Let go of that fear of I'm not doing enough, I'm not gathering enough data, and just lean into trusting yourself and what you do know. And with that, highly, highly encourage a first look. For those of you who are serious about this, who are listening to this podcast, uh, you are good enough to be creating a first look. That doesn't mean that you have to build your lineups totally on that and not ever read the NFL Edge or any of this other awesome content. You know, the scroll is just a freaking gold mine every week at OWS. So it's not to say don't use those things or you won't need them, but know where your starting point is. Have a very clear idea of that and you'll be able to roll forward from there. Okay. Really wanted to hit on that. I did, and I think I did so thoroughly enough. Definitely, if you have questions on any of this in terms of like how it's changed my process or how it could potentially impact yours or like how you take a break without getting too out of it or whatever it is, uh, you know, feel free to hit me up 
if you're in OWS, hit me up by personal message. If you are outside of OWS, uh, first of all, you should be a part of OWS. Um, but yeah, you can hit me up by DM on Twitter. But let's jump into the lineup here. This lineup was good for first place in a $3 hundo. So not a big money amount here, not a big dollar amount, but coming in first place feels really good. It feels really good. That's a huge part of the fun in DFS. Yes, the money, you know, that only amplifies the the fun, the excitement and the letdowns. Uh, but there is a real thrill that comes from getting first place, feeling like you solved the puzzle on that given week in that given contest. So keep that in mind. I highly recommend spreading your play, especially if you are a single entry player like me, making sure you aren't uh, cornering yourself into only one lineup a weekend because it can be so hard over such a small sample size. You know, we've had such a crazy NFL season to this point this year. Play different slate, <laughs> excuse me, slates, plates, play different slates play different contests, different sizes, different buy-ins, you know, do stuff at the low levels so you can enter a higher volume and try some things out and experiment because the more opportunity you give yourself to actually win a tourney or come in the top 10 or the top five, that is going to boost your confidence and get you some swagger in a way that is really, really meaningful because we talk about it pretty much every week on this podcast. DFS is a mental, emotional game. And so we talked about the lows a lot over the past handful of weeks. Uh, but knowing how to get the highs or give yourself a better chance at hitting a high is really important as well. So the Hundos, great bankroll building tourney, 100 people, flat payout. Highly recommend it if you're not playing. Uh, when you're in the tourney selection, just scroll down a bit past all the featured starred contests in DraftKings, and you can find the Hundos there. There's $10, $5, $3, and $1 buy-ins, I believe. All right, so this lineup that was good for first is Daniel Jones, A.J. Dillon, Ty Johnson, Cooper Cup, Devonta Adams, Van Jefferson, Evan Ingram, Rob Gronkowski, and Dolphins defense. This lineup scored 149.58. Again, good for first place. The cash line was 125.6. As I kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast, that's why these smaller tourneys are so key is because even on a low scoring week like this, a 149 is still not a a really high score. You know, you, you couldn't win any massive, you know, thousands of entries tourney with that kind of score. So giving yourself a legit shot at first by playing these smaller fields is going to be really good, not only for your bankroll, but again, for your mojo. This lineup was built on the backbone of the Rams-Packers game, my favorite game environment on the slate and offenses where we know where the ball is going. I loved A.J. Dillon this week because after he was mega chalk last week and kind of burned everybody, plus the uncertainty with Aaron Jones coming back from injury, I figured that he was just going to be going way under-owned relative to what his ceiling was and his probable workload was. I just didn't expect Aaron Jones to come back in and have some 70% share of this backfield. I just really didn't see it happening. So I felt pretty confident with AJ Dillon. Uh, it was something that was uncomfortable because Aaron Jones did get the start, but it ended up paying off. Dillon got essentially a full workload better than most running backs get on a weekly basis, even with Aaron Jones playing and seeing the ball a handful of times and ended up hitting in this spot at 9% ownership in this particular tourney. Devontae Adams was my other packer. I didn't need Devontae this week. I really didn't feel like I had to get him in. Always like Devontae, love his 40 plus point ceiling, but in this 
particular game against Jalen Ramsey, I didn't think that he was going to hit his ceiling. I just didn't see me needing him. I had a feeling he'd probably score in the 20s or something like that. He I just didn't see him going for one of these like 35, 40 point games, not because he can't beat Jalen Ramsey's coverage because he is, you know, one of, if not the most matchup proof receiver in the NFL. So I wasn't really worried about that. The Packers are always creative with how they use him, you know, drop plays specifically for them, excuse me, for him. So I really wasn't too worried about that. What I've loved about this then too, is that I got Cooper Cup in this lineup as well. Like I said, brought it back with Cup and Van Jefferson. Cooper Cup didn't need him in this spot, but I did really like the combo of Henderson and Cup. Just, you know, I've liked this for, you know, most of the season, uh, just giving me such a large chunk of volume and potential touchdowns for the Rams. So also because I knew his price point was going to be so restrictive, uh, was excited to get in this lineup with hopes that he did hit. It's been a while since he hit a, a massive game. So neither him or Devante hit big, but I still liked getting him in this lineup. Uh, they both provided a really nice floor as they scored 40 between the two of them. Actually, exactly. Interesting. Uh, so Van Jefferson was the final play from this stack. Jeff was my my favorite tourney play from this game. Kind of like alongside AJ Dillon, I had highlighted both of them as the guys that had a great chance, you know, much, much higher chance of hitting than the field would be giving them credit for and therefore rostering them at. And so yeah, Jefferson has just been heavily involved, really liked his ceiling in this spot, which he hit 4,900, getting 18.3 points. Awesome. Can take that every day. So yeah, really, really happy with that setup there. Re- really liked getting this combination there. Figured it was very unique, but offered me a, a you know, a great exposure to a, a pretty solid floor and ceiling of points. Felt really good about that. The next pieces here were Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram. This is the part that I liked least about my roster, partially from a outcome perspective, but also from a process perspective. Uh, I was not on this game environment early in the week. It was not the, you know, the top three game environments. So to play Daniel Jones because I, you know, basically Sunday morning, I was like, you know what? I really like this spot for, for them. I, I do really buy into the, the, uh, the, the coaching change narrative. It's one of the only narratives that I think actually carries a lot of weight. Pretty much always see teams get up for, uh, a coaching change or just something that's like shifting their energy. And so I thought this could be this, that I thought that this could be the spot and got a little bit excited about it. Uh, there was nothing else that really pointed to that being a great play. Obviously, Daniel Jones, a dual threat and all those things. Uh, side note there, I didn't love any quarterback this week, like any quarterback. Uh, I knew I didn't want to pay up. I just didn't feel like any of those guys had a ceiling that I really needed to pay up for. I liked Brady in my first look at games, but then when I saw his price and I thought into the slate a little bit more, I wasn't convinced that that was even going to be worth it because I did think that the ceilings of some of these higher price guys like Cup or Devante uh, were were worth rostering and trying to figure out how to get, get them in. And that ended up working out since Brady didn't, uh, didn't do too much. And then Evan Engram, just by far the <laughs> the most regrettable part of my roster, the thing that I did the worst this week. I was never on him. I haven't been on him this season. He's not a good football player. He's athletic, but he is just uh, he's not going to do anything. And I got excited about the spot in the matchup and, you know, the data pointed to it with some of the receivers out as well. And again, kind of that same narrative 
for the Giants, and I never liked it. I didn't like it from the start, so frustrated about that because I loved Gronk from the start, which, thankfully, uh, he was the one I got into my flex spot here. I just, because I liked this game environment, I liked the the Bucks-Colts game. I, like I said, I liked Brady initially this week until I saw his price. I didn't want to choose from either of the receivers. That kind of left me with Gronk at 4,400, which is just underpriced for his ceiling, which he ended up hitting in this spot. So very grateful that I got him on to this roster. That's essentially why I won. Uh, the two other rosters that I made did not have Gronk on them and therefore were not winning rosters. They were, uh, I believe I cashed in one of the other two. But yeah, just thought Gronk was probably by far the best tight end play on the week, just given the game environment there. Back to that, the game environment and the quarterback piece. I did really like Wentz this week. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say really like. I liked Wentz this week in that spot. I really only wanted to play him naked coming back with Gronk. So process was right there early in the week. Just lost it a little bit with Daniel Jones. Um, so side note before I move on to the final pieces of the roster here, that was one of the notes I made for myself was got to be really careful because I've done this. If you guys have been following along with me this year, you've you've heard this before. I've done it a few times this year and it's becoming too consistent for where like where I'm at. Like, you know, I'm I'm a more experienced than this i shouldn't be making these kinds of mistakes but that mistake is coming off of game environments that i really like especially for single entry identifying game environments that you like is so so key because that's where ceiling is going to come from if you can identify games where there's going to be four or five touchdowns scored and you know from not only one side but this game has a chance to go back and forth you're putting yourself in a much, much better position than trying to choose players from teams that don't have that kind of ceiling. So definitely upset about that this week. Uh, Fortunately, it didn't have a a large impact on this roster, but going forward, I still am making the note that I don't want to be coming off games that I like late in the week just because of some other thing that I kind of (laughs) like. Uh, so yeah, important note there. Final pieces of this roster then were Ty Johnson at running back at his price. You know, I, I didn't love any cheap running back plays. Really, there were a couple that I was going back and forth between. You know, Rex Burkhead, Tevin Coleman. I mean, just disgusting, right? Like, oh, what are, what are we even doing? Um, but with him at forty three hundred, I believe it was you know, probably splitting snaps against a run funnel Texans defense with a pass catching role. I thought at 4,300, you know, he's not going to hit some massive ceiling, but because of what he opens up, allows me to get Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams and a handful of other plays that I really like. Like I was totally, totally on board with it. Don't regret the play at all. It was actually, you know, variance kind of struck there and that he didn't even catch a pass which for him and his role is just really pretty strange. Fortunately, didn't sink me. Uh, And then final play on the roster, which is actually my favorite play of the roster, (laughs) was the Dolphins defense. This is one of those things I I was thinking about this this week as I kind of reflected on like what was the chalk at defense. I think a lot of people played Houston uh, and how this happens. JM has talked about this this year specifically i don't i can't remember if you talked about it last year at all but defense is a really important position it it takes up an entire roster spot and yes there is a lot of variance but if you do i got 23 points out of this defense the having the dolphins on my roster is why i won this tourney i think that's really really important to understand i'm going to say it one more time Having the Dolphins defense on this roster is why I won this tourney. 
you should be spending time on figuring out who you like defense. You don't need to deliberate. There's not going to be as many stats that back this up uh, or, you know, data that points to it. But you should be considering this. And what I'm also going to mention here is that do this before you know what the field is looking at. Don't just wait until the end of the week and, you know, check to see what defenses are popular or, you know, what the guys at OWS are saying or, or other sites or whatever. Like, you know, I always stress on here, everybody should be doing their own first look. If if you've been doing this for a while, meaning DFS and and have any interest in football whatsoever and aren't just like a, a pure numbers guy, like uh, pay attention to these things like do a first look for yourself early in the week run through games real quick doesn't have to be a big long thing and just see what you like because this was something for me that i was like "Ooh, the dolphins are really interesting in this spot really like them against a mistake prone cam they've been crazy aggressive i don't know if you guys watched a few weeks ago when they were on uh what was it the primetime game versus the Ravens. And I mean, like they were just destroying them. They looked so good. They were playing so fast. This is also, by the way, where it helps to watch football football because of the high variance. Uh, you can gain a lot by watching. I know we don't have all have time to do that, but it does help. Uh, but they were just playing so fast. And so ever since then, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to be really interested in the Dolphins going forwards because they're also shoring up their secondary issues and things like that. Uh, against cam newton who historically you know makes dumb decisions playing at home i really really like them and i'm saying all of that to say i liked them before i saw their price and then once i saw their price i literally out loud said you got to be kidding me because i thought it was ridiculous that they were under 3k so locked and loaded them from the start Defense is important. Yes, it's harder to predict, but it can really set your roster apart. So do not just throw any random defense on there and stay away from chalk defenses, too. You know, as a not a hard and fast rule, but a general rule, something that uh, can differentiate you in tourneys easily because there is that level of variance as long as you're you know still going to other plays that have a shot. That was my. First place lineup in the $3 hundo. All right. I'm going to hit on a couple other things here. We've got about 15 minutes left. So for those of you hanging out live, you can kind of get ready. If you want to jump up here on stage, I will be hanging out to take some questions. Um, so yeah, so the other kind of like high level things that I noted here was <laughs> I, I kind of hit on this before but like be careful playing bad players on bad teams and again like i said if you guys have been listening to this been with me week after week this year you've heard this before talked about this a few times this year i continue to get a little bit infatuated with how the spot sets up and hope that these plays will come through you're just i mean it's just negative vv like it's just not something that is at least for small entry tourneys or small fields i should say it's just not something that's plus ev you're you're just kind of like i said before you should be looking at good game environments game environments that have a large ceiling and have a, a pretty solid floor in terms of how you know as a whole how these games could play out you're, you're just you're taking more taking on more risk than necessary by picking bad players or simply from bad teams so that was a big thing for me the other thing was what i talked about uh coming off a game environment that i really liked in tampa bay Indy to that uh the philly giants game uh what else here yeah my the things that i was really happy about i did build around my favorite game which was the rams packers i did play a piece 
that I liked from that other game in Gronk and stayed with my conviction defense. And let's see. Yep, I think that's it for uh, what I had to say about my roster. Let me just take a quick look through some of my notes here. Uh, oh, AJ Dillon, I just noted that he was a he was a good example of differentiating yourself without being super like contrarian for the sake of being contrarian or going like way off the board. You, we know he has a good role in this offense, even with Aaron Jones fully healthy. He's still they, they've still been using him a good amount. Uh, so with Aaron Jones not fully healthy. And on a team that's, you know, going to be implied for going to be scoring most some of the most touchdowns on the week. Uh, you, you're you're setting yourself up well there. You're differentiating. He was nine percent owned in this hundo. So keeping those things in mind, you don't have to be you don't have to go off the board to differentiate. And then I kind of mentioned that same thing with the combo of Dylan Devante coming back with Cup and Van Jefferson. Nobody was going to have that in their roster. Uh, not even, you know, probably was very, very low owned, if at all, in larger fields as well. So and I was still exposing myself to quite a bit of floor and ceiling there. Uh, do, do, do. Let's see. Yep. All right. That will do it. Oh, the the one final takeaway I had was kind of what I mentioned early on in this podcast is continue to stick with the process. I have what it takes to win attorney. I just need to keep working at it week in and week out. Oh. And have fucking fun. I think that's a really important thing for a lot of us is to just uh, keep doing, you know, keep at your process, keep working at it. No one to give yourself a break when you're pushing too hard, when you're feeling too demoralized or whatever. And rinse and repeat. And most importantly, have fun. You know, those of us that are are here are probably uh in this because it you know we started doing this because we're having fun and so if you lose that element of it i would highly suggest trying to find that again because that's uh most likely going to lead back to something good all right uh with that i want to open this up to questions so questions comments anything you know just here to hang out here to get better together so if you guys got anything for me just go ahead and use the little button at the bottom to raise your hand and i'll bring you on up here like i said it can be anything it can be about my lineup anything i talked about about your lineup Any takers? Actually, while you guys are doing that, I'm going to go check the reflection thread. All right, we got no questions there. Come back here. All right, anybody? All right, I'll give you guys another minute in case anybody wants to come up here. Kind of as I said at the beginning, this you know this podcast is kind of the perfect testament to one week season like the the name of it and all right d Rord, i got you coming up let me real quick i'm gonna finish what i'm saying here but i'll bring you on up here um your week or sorry your season can change can be hinged on one week and you can have your swagger back <laughs> in one weekend that's all it takes uh, so just wanted to just emphasize that and, you know, continue showing up for yourself. But uh, all right, man, I got you on here. What's up? What's going on? Hey, man, how you doing? Good, good. How about you? Good. Uh, not not too bad. Delivering some Christmas parcels for the for all the good little boys and girls out here. 
Hey, all uh, right. There we go. (laughs) Rockport, Massachusetts. But uh, I've been listening to you and been following you guys, obviously, uh, all year. And I enjoy that you, uh, you know, do this reflection pod. It's it's really important, I think. And it helps me out, helps everybody out, obviously helped you out. And uh, and but I I wanted to um, ask you about uh, I listen a lot to obviously everybody else while I'm out here delivering and uh, and a lot of what I hear is, you know, takes and picks and that kind of thing and uh, game by game breakdowns. But when I listen to Jordan Cooper on his uh podcast and his shows it's it, it come kind of completely flips it and i know he kind of missed messed with todd from pa's um process last year and i don't know if necessarily in a good way but and um and that was kind of a, a stickling point of last year's um uh, whole season and um it was interesting to play. It's not about players. It's about lineups and about what you think your opponent is going to play and uh, where they're going to make mistakes. And I think it's really uh, um, important to, um, you know, go off of that. And that that's really helped me. And, but I, there has to be some way to, incorporate what you just said like about the Miami defense and and watching them play and and wanting to play them in in the upcoming weeks because they've been doing well um my friend was wondering who you should play Stafford Tua or Cam in his season long and I said you know they got everybody back on their offensive line the uh, Panthers did but um I said Miami is, you know, going for a playoff spot. They're marching up the standings and they've been playing, you know, pretty much lockdown defense since their corners came back. And I I I think there has to be some kind of a combination between the two whereas it's play lineups and um not pl- it, you know, not players. Um but but lineups and and a little bit of that mixed in because um I also played the Dolphins D um because I saw the price and I was like, well, you know, I I don't I think they're gonna come out at home and really lay a smackdown on, on Cam and and they got a little bit lucky to get the punt block return, but that's what you need to win a tournament. Obviously that's what you did. I didn't know what if you had any other thoughts and feelings about Jordan or anything like that. Yeah, thanks, man. I I appreciate the the share because I, I do think it's really important. I know JM has talked about this in a way too, where he says that it's you have kind of a couple different camps of people. You have a set of people who are really good DFS players, but and you know, who understand strategy and game theory, but don't know football all that well necessarily. And then you have kind of the flip side, which are guys who know football really well or, you know, in the industry or analysts or whatever, but they are not good at DFS or, you know, don't know the strategy or take a time or whatever. And then there are the people who do both, who who do know football and who do know DFS strategy really well. And that subset of people is always going to have a higher ceiling, you know, like over time, you just have a a better chance of winning um, because football is such a a nuanced sport like that. You know, I, I this is one thing that for me. I've known for because I've watched football my entire life. I've played football, so I I understand the game very well. And so for me to like visually watch the game, I pick up a ton. Whereas somebody, you know, like Zandemir is a as a numbers guy, right? Like he's 
he might watch football, but it's not necessarily in the same way that myself or JM or like anybody who um, really, really is into seeing visually the game of football does. And so I've always said for myself, like, you know, if uh, I ever get to the point where I could, because uh, I don't even currently, you know, I don't watch the the rewinds or anything like that, but I would be a far better DFS player even than I am now if I were taking the time to do that, just because that's how my brain works. Like I, I get football, I understand football. And so watching it helps me a lot. Somebody like Blender, not necessarily the case, right? Like he is a guy who is going to use the numbers, going to use the data. He's just going to play the plays that the the field isn't on, but still has a, you know, a chance at hitting the same score or close to or whatever. Um, so all that to say, it really comes down to play style. I, I mean, again, kind of like JM said, I, I do always believe that in the NFL specifically, it does help to have a knowledge of football. You're just giving yourself a little bit extra um, because it is such a nuanced sport and box scores rarely tell, you know, not, sometimes not even close to the the full story. Um, but play style, like understanding the way that you think, understanding what makes sense to your brain and the way that you see things and aligning your play style with that. And that's the cool thing. You know, Blender is super successful. The guys here at OWS are super successful because they've aligned themselves with what they do best. And you can win both ways, you know, and they've they've shown that. So I think that's just the the biggest takeaway that I have from that. Right. It just it, I don't know where it gets to the point where. Um, you know, you're, uh, uh, it, where it's too much, it goes over, oh, well, I can't play, you know, um, Jonathan Taylor against the Bills defense because they just, they're locked down defense. And, um, but, uh, I didn't see one thing that said, that, oh, they're too, um, you know, uh, run stoppers are out this week. So, that might, you know, might make them may make him a better play. And, or do you have to go by the, um, the, the fact that he's just, you know, matchup proof, Jonathan Taylor, you know, a word, you know, where it gets to that point. Whereas if you're, you know, not even looking at it and it's strictly just projections and numbers, um, you would, you might end up with 25 or 30% of Jonathan Taylor, just because at his price and, you know, and the kind of, uh, running back he is, um, you know, you, you would land on him, but uh, mm -hmm. I just, yeah, well, the balance is really tough. It's it, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Cause I, that's what I was going to say is like the flip side to, you know, what I just mentioned and JM has talked about this too. And some of the other guys here to OWS this year is like, sometimes you can almost be handcuffed by how well you know this sport uh, because you you get so into like you exactly like you're saying like that's a perfect example of like okay well taylor's never going to run for you know he's never going to pay off his his really high price now um but i think the other part of this kind of goes to one of the points that i was making earlier as well because i think like him and now we have four tutty uh fournette who you know, they both had these massive games and they were both on good teams in good game environments. And so while it wasn't the most likely way it was going to play out in terms of like both of those games should have, you know, the the success should have come through the air. It, it's it's a high variance sport. These things are are going to change and especially in the hands of good players as well. Right. Like, you know, I don't right. you know, we're not putting Fournette up there in Jonathan Taylor's tier, but, um, they're, they're good right, enough players that, on teams with real roles. But that was a good, uh, leverage play off of Brady. Uh, yep. I think, I, I don't know if Scott Barrett talked about that in, um, the DFS re recap pod for fantasy points, but, um, it was a good play off of that. If you thought that, you know, maybe if Brady and Godwin and Evans and, Gronk, maybe they didn't do as well, but it, everything went to Fournette. That one of your lineups, one of your five lineups, could be, you know, just that and covering that base. 
but um it even that you know you get into there's so many there well not that there's so many but there were other games that you wanted to concentrate on you you saying the rams packers and the and the uh lions vikings um so then the fomo brain kind of spins out of control and you're like well i gotta do this and i gotta you know i gotta get the leverage on this and uh what about this play and i can't do that um that's when that comes in to play as well and it it is definitely a um a fine tightrope to walk i think in in terms of process but um i wanted to ask you about your lineup so did you play ty johnson um wanting just for the sheer fact of getting in jamming in those high price wide receivers and and playing off of their ceiling and hoping for maybe 10 points out of Ty Johnson, or were you putting him in thinking he was going to, you know, get like 20 or 25? Yeah. Great question. Uh, the, the, the former, I basically got him in there to jam these other guys in, which I'll immediately kind of follow up with because of what the slate was giving me. I that's, you know, that's not a, it's not normally something I do. You know, I, I don't, I don't ever make, you know, like suboptimal plays or I try not to, you know, obviously we do dumb shit, but um, normally like that's not something I'm going out of my way to do. You know, I'm not creating stars and scrubs lineups or something like that. But because of the slate, it was because I thought, you know, I saw paths to him having a 15 point game. Like, no, am I expecting him to get 20 or 25? Definitely not. But Mm -hmm. If he manages to get me 15, you know, he catches, uh, you know, five for 50 and runs in a touchdown, which, again, given the matchup and stuff was pretty reasonable in that spot. And then I have the combo of Cooper Cup and Devante, who went for 40, but they could easily go for 60 or something like that together. Right. And, uh, no, was, and no, nobody would be paying up for them, really, essentially, at their price. Right. Right. So, yeah, so that was that was my thinking there. Definitely. Uh, And I think that's why we always have to be a little bit careful. We have to always understand the roster construction as a whole instead of worrying about, you know, one guy and their multiplier or, you know, it's like, okay, well, I need every roster spot to score me 20 or 25. And that's or 25, 30 to, to have like a tourney winning roster. And while those are good general rules, they're still going to be times where they need to be broken based on what the slate is, is giving us. And again, play style for sure. Right. For me, it was a, you know, I wanted to play Brady Gronk and Godwin. And, but I, I was afraid that the run back of Pittman was going to be and that whole grouping was going to be way too popular. And so I, I went down to Hilton to pay up for, T.Y. Hilton to pay up for um, Christian McCaffrey, which didn't work out, um, unfortunately. But, you know, I had the Dolphins defense, which, you know, helped me um, luck into like a higher score. I I feel like you definitely need some luck. And do you feel like that that was a luck play or it kind of was in in a way, but it was also a process play for you though. Right. In your lineup. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, always going to be variance. Right. And I like, just, I kind of like what you, you, your thought process there and what you did because uh, I actually, I almost played T Y in that spot too. Again, not because he's some smash play, but in the game environment at a low price, he's a guy that, you know, he's not because he's not even playing like a full complement of snaps, really. Um, but he is that guy that can hit for a big play that, you know, can be trusted in the red zone and things like that. And so um, I, I like that, you know, it's it's those types. Okay. That's like the the way you have to be thinking about things in order to, you, you know, you're not. It's not a you know negative EV play because you're not choosing some. 3,500 or 3,700 wide receiver from some random team or a bad team, you're choosing a guy in a game that has legitimate 
paths to upside, even if he hasn't hit it recently. Well, uh, got to get back to work delivering all these Christmas presents. So uh, right, it was keep- nice to talk to you and I'll, I'll keep listening. Hopefully somebody else will chime in. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming up. Thanks for all the questions, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. That was really great. Loved all of that. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that as well. Uh, I got time for like one more. If anybody else wants to jump on up here with me, I am open. Go ahead and hit the little hand raise thing at the bottom of the screen there. Yeah, I like that we kind of ended up hitting on that a few times throughout the pod today is good game environments and making choices from those spots and pivoting off of the highest owned guys two guys that have a meaningful role or at least have a potential ceiling. You know, a guy like T.Y. Holton is the perfect example. Not a great play. (laughs) Like, objectively, he's not a great play. Uh, But that doesn't mean he can't be a great play. So I think things like that are really, really important when you're building rosters and differentiating. All right, y'all. I think it looks like we are good. If nobody else has got anything for me, yeah, really appreciate everybody that's hanging out live. Thanks for those of you who are listening to the recording as well. Been fun. I know it's, uh, you know, made it through a large chunk of the season without me me hitting here. But first place finish feels really good. As I kind of mentioned earlier, the, the, the money, you know, is always great. But in DFS, Finishing first or finishing high up, there there's a thrill and a rush that comes with that, regardless of the dollar amount. So play smaller fields, uh, play smaller dollar amounts. Just start exposing yourself to more opportunities to actually experience first place. Because once you do, that is going to give you a boost that will really really help you. And I know that's going to really push me through the rest of the season in a big way. Uh, But yeah, thanks for hanging out and listening to everything I had to say. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate OWS fam. All of those of you that are listening from outside of OWS as well. For now, I'm Ben. This has been the Assessing Your Process pod. Hope to see y'all at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. Later. Later.